Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Hello, my Grace Harvest Church family and uh, all my friends and anyone else out there that is watching this video. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I want to get right into the message that I have for you. I feel a burden to share this word with you today. And so first of all, I want to start out with the title of my message. My message is called, Now is the Time to Refocus. Now is the Time to Refocus. You know, about three weeks ago, while I was in prayer about everything happening in our country and our world, I was deeply burdened and I was grieving over the division and the anger that I saw happening among Christians everywhere. Online, I was noticing that God's people, brothers and sisters in Christ, were really going after each other in social media posts and people were attacking each other's character and I heard people saying, you know, if you don't like it, just unfriend me. If you can't take the truth, just unfriend me. And I heard a lot of anger and invective, and it was really grievous. It really saddened me because I know that's not God's way for us. And in the middle of praying, a verse dropped into my heart, and I wasn't sure where in the book of Galatians it was, but I knew it was from the book of Galatians. And that verse was this one here. It says, but if you are always fighting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. I couldn't remember where the text was, so I went through the book of Galatians and I found it. And I thought it was interesting interesting because uh, the verses right before it and right after it really captured an idea that I think is so relevant and so prophetic for our time. I felt like it was really a prophetic word for our nation and for God's people right now. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and this kind of sets up where I'm going today, but listen to what Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. You know, I had noticed online that a lot of people were very concerned about us losing our freedoms and we should be concerned about losing our freedoms it's a really important debate and struggle right now and a lot of people are talking about our constitutional freedoms even our freedom of religion our expression of our faith and those are all super important debates to have but as God's people we have to be very careful that we don't even allow those debates to rip us apart because divided we fall and united we stand. And that's, that's just a reality in the body of Christ. And it's interesting that we can be crying about our, out, about our freedom, but if we're not serving and loving one another, according to this text, we'll bite and devour one another. And I started to see that we are really being taken off of center. 
We're being moved from our focus upon Jesus Christ, upon his gospel, and upon seeing his kingdom expand in the earth and his name be glorified. I started again realizing, it's something that I have realized for a long time, that our smartphones, our technology, watching too much news, looking too much at our social media feeds, that all of those things take our focus away from what's most important. You know, there's a story here that confirms this. In the Wall Street Journal, Adrian Ward, a cognitive psychologist and marketing professor from the University of Texas, has been studying the way that smartphones and technology and the internet affect our thoughts and our judgments. And he's been looking at this for more than a decade. In his own work, as well as the work of others that he has been able to compile, uh, he has seen mounting evidence that using a smartphone or even hearing one ring or vibrate produces a multitude of distractions that make it harder to concentrate on a difficult problem or job. The division of attention impedes reasoning and performance. A 2015 study involving 166 subjects found that when people's phones beep or buzz while they're in the middle of a challenging task, their focus wavers and their work gets sloppier whether they check the phone or not. Another 2015 study showed that when people hear their phone ring but are unable to answer it, their blood pressure spikes, their pulse quickens, and their problem-solving skills decline. Now, if that's true in just normal life, how much more true, how much more real is that right now in the time that we live where many of us have been locked down, some of you have been out of work, and all you've been able to do is watch TV, watch the news, take in all the information. You see riots, you see civil unrest, you see people angry about COVID-19, you see all the debates online, you see people in your social media feed uh, calling each other names and the stress levels, blood pressure goes up, and we lose focus. We lose our ability to really concentrate on the things that are most important. And so as I was thinking about this, I started thinking, how do we get our focus back? What do we need to do to get our focus back? And I, I came up with five points for focus in these difficult times. Five points for focus in these difficult times. Now, you can come up with a longer list than five, but here are five that I thought would really apply to us in the time that we live. Number one focus is the focus of prayer. Now is the time to pray about everything. Now is the time to pray about everything. I've been sharing for the last several weeks, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Let me just remind you of what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You might remember that a couple weeks ago I, I shared that that word guard means God will put a military garrison around our minds to keep things out that take away our peace. And so it's so important that we pray about everything right now. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. What does it say? Pray constantly. That's it. That's the whole verse. Pray constantly. So what's my comment on that? Now is the time to pray about everything. 
to take all of our concerns, all of our anxieties, all of our fears, and bring them to God in prayer because he can give us perspective and he can give us focus. Secondly, now is the time to ask God to examine our hearts. Now is the time to ask God to examine our hearts. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalms 26 and also Psalms 139. Psalms 26.2 says this. Can you imagine praying this to God? I have. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. That's a dangerous prayer. Right now, it's easy to say, look at that and look at them and look what's wrong with that group and this group and everybody else is in the wrong and we're engaging in a lot of blame shifting. We're engaging in a lot of pointing the finger and the focus being on other people's wrongs, on other people's evil. But we know as Christians that it always has to start with us. You know, Jesus gave us one of the greatest um, illustrations, metaphors. He used hyperbole. He, he exaggerated, but he said, listen, you can't be making judgments if you got a log in your eye. If you got a great big old log in your eye, it's really hard to deal with your brother or your sister's splinter. And a lot of us, I'm afraid right now, without realizing it, we're walking around with logs in our eyes and we're not examining those logs. And of course, if we've got a log in our eye, we're going to see splinters in our brothers and our sisters. So we need to take this time to ask the Lord to search us. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, before we point at whoever we think our enemies are or the bad guys are, let's ask God to search our hearts and show us if there's evil lurking around in there. Because I can assure you there is. You know, we're dealing with the issue of racism right now. And most of the people I know will tell me they're not racist. Most of us will say, I'm not racist. And we, we really don't believe we are until we're faced with certain scenarios and then we realize there's something in there that's not quite right. We realize that maybe we have an attitude of superiority over certain people of certain color or certain background. And that we're a better kind of human. We're a higher quality or a higher class of human than they are. And that's racism. And it's lurking there. And many times we can't see it unless God opens our eyes. And so this is a good time for us to ask God to search us and know us and examine us. Number three, now is the time to be quick to listen, two ears, and slow to speak. James 1, 19 and 20 says this, Understand this, my brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You know that human anger never ultimately produces the right stuff in us or others. Anger can be used to take action. Anger rightly focused can be turned into something that helps the world. 
If you see people suffering injustice and you get angry and it causes you to take action to help those who are suffering injustice, then anger has worked its perfect work and it's produced the righteousness of God. But if we get angry in the time that we're living and we fly off with words and we say things that are ignorant or based in stuff we don't know anything about, we're going to wound people, we're going to hurt relationships, we're going to dig a deep, deep hole, a deep pit that we're going to fall into. So before we speak or write a post or comment, we should listen, understand, and be very slow to respond. And check the anger meter. If you find that anger in you isn't leading to constructive actions, but rather destructive thoughts, destructive attitudes, destructive approaches. If you find that the anger inside of you is causing you to cut off relationships left and right and be like, I'm done with those people. I'm done with that person. I'm done with that group. I don't like those kind of people. Then that anger is not producing what anger should produce in us. Anger should produce the righteousness of God. Number four, now is the time to remember the priority of love. The priority of love. You know, I'm going to let the Bible speak here, and you all know this text. Most of you do. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm, I'm afraid it's on a lot of plaques and a lot of homes, but it's something that's far harder to do. And I just want to say before I read this, the love that I'm about to read, the Scripture teaches in Romans, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So this is not an impossible ideal. This is something that indwells us because the Holy Spirit indwells us, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love. And so listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, and verse 13. Paul says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't have love, I would be only a noisy gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I gave everything, excuse me, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in tongues and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. And then verse 13, these three things will last forever faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. You know, this text pretty much says it all, sums it up. This love is within us by the Holy Spirit, and our call is to let it dominate our responses to the current time and crisis that we're in. If what we're doing isn't filled with love for God and our neighbor, it's not from God. It will bring bad fruit it will be destructive. So let's focus on that. It's the time to remember that love is the priority. And let's make sure our focus is on that love. When you get ready to make a comment on social media or you're having interaction with somebody in person, 
Are you motivated by love for your neighbor? Or are you motivated by a need to prove them wrong and prove yourself right? Are you motivated by a need to always express your opinion, to always tell other people how this person's wrong or that group's wrong and, and they, they are, they're just all wrong, they're all, and I'm against them? Is, is that what's motivating you? Because listen, as Christians, we're called to the impossible, right? And it's impossible in our own strength, impossible with the impossible overcomer inside of us, Jesus Christ. But he's given us his spirit, and the Bible calls us to love our neighbor as ourself. And the Bible calls us to love our enemy. How do you do that if you're hating them? How do you do that if you're name-calling them, right? So love must regain its ascendant place and its priority. And that takes me to the last point, and that is that now is the time to remember that the gospel is the answer. Now is the time to remember that the gospel is the answer. Let me remind you of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16 and 17. We love to quote these, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. The gospel of Jesus is still the only answer for the sinfulness of the human heart. This current crisis of racism is both a skin issue and a sin issue. Ultimately, though, it's a sin issue, and it can only be healed through the reconciling power of Jesus Christ. You know, the time that we're living in, just trying to get along isn't going to work. And we do have to take time to listen and to understand and to walk in our brothers' and sisters' shoes and to try to get into their world. But the reality is, is that the real problem of the human heart is sin. It's sinfulness. Right from the beginning when Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel and brother killed Abel and, and, and brother killed brother and wars began to happen and our world began to divide into tribalism and into groups and into languages and people began to think their group was better than the next group. From the moment that that entered into the human condition, we've been dealing with the effects of sin and the differences of skin and all of that is so grievous to God because we were all formed out of one man and one woman. We came forth into the earth from one people. And we're all related. We're all family. And how much more is that true within Christ? And so during this time, I just want to encourage us to remember that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. And the scripture teaches that he not only died to reconcile us with God, but he died to reconcile us with each other. And that on that cross and through that cross, Jews and Gentiles, that are all the people in the world that are not Jews, came together and formed a new kind of people called the church of Jesus Christ. And so we know Jesus died and he shed his blood and he gave himself on the cross and he rose again so we could be forgiven and right with God and right with each other. There are two beams in that cross, that vertical beam, I talk about it all the time, and that horizontal beam. And the vertical beam reconciles us to God and the horizontal beam brings us back to each other. And God wants us to be reconciled to each other. 
So let's love one another. Let's remember the good news of Jesus that he died and he rose again to make us right with God and each other is central. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters and I pray that you would lead us and guide us during this time and help us, Lord, as we navigate this hard, hard season that we're in to regain our focus, to remember the things that are most important, that we would remember, Lord, to pray that we would remember to focus on prayer, that we would remember, Lord, to ask you to examine our hearts, that we would remember to be quick to listen and slow to speak, that we would remember that we have to keep love a priority, and that we would remember that your gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the answer for us all. Lord, draw people to you and heal our broken land, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. The Lord be with you. Please pray for our country. Please pray for our city. Please pray for our church and its leaders. Thank you. God bless.